you would, turn in your Bibles with me. I want to take us to the Word of the Lord in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, and uh, I'll just give you a little, a little backstory to what's going on uh, when we drop into Joshua chapter 5. Israel is coming out of the wilderness in Joshua, and they've been wandering for 40 years in the wilderness, wandering, waiting, and just in general, wasting away. Uh, a whole generation. And then finally, in the early chapters of the book of Joshua, God directed them to head toward the promised land of Canaan. Generations prior, God had promised their ancestors, the patriarchs, uh, that they were going to inherit a land that flowed with milk and honey. And finally, finally, in Joshua's generation, God finally directs them after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness uh, to start heading in a new direction toward the land of Canaan. In chapter 1 of Joshua, God told Joshua, I will be with you. You need to be strong and courageous. And then in chapter 2, Joshua sent two spies to a city called Jericho. And they met there a lady named Rahab, and they established a connection with her to where now whenever they came in to conquer the land, they had a person on the inside named Rahab. And the spies returned back to the camp. Chapter 3... After they return back to the camp, the spies are back. They give the report, and they say, we're ready to go. Chapter 3, Israel does something very, very significant. Finally, uh, for the first time in a generation, they cross the Jordan River heading west, and they are headed toward the promised land. They hadn't ever crossed the Jordan River. Uh, This generation hadn't ever been this way before. They had been wandering and wasting away in the wilderness. And now, finally, God gives them a new direction And they step in by faith across the Jordan River, headed into Canaan. And then in chapter 4, after they cross over the the Jordan River into Canaan, uh, before they get very far at all, uh, God and Joshua commands the people to do something very, very special. And they gather stones and rocks, and they start to heap them up. And they heap them up as a memorial uh, to commemorate the crossing over the Jordan River. It was very, very important for them whenever they crossed over. They were headed in the right direction for the first time, it seemed, forever. And so it was very important. So it was when Israel began to go in a direction that they'd never gone before, when their steps started to be ordered by the Lord into the promised land, that God directed them to take another step of faith before they initiated the conquest and the possession of the land. And that's where Joshua chapter 5 picks up. Read with me if you would. I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. So it was when all the kings of the Amorites who were on the west side of the Jordan and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we had crossed over, that their heart melted and there was no spirit in them any longer because of the children of Israel. Verse 2, At that time the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives for yourselves and circumcise the sons of Israel again the second time. So Joshua made flint knives for himself and they circumcised the sons of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this is the reason why Joshua circumcised them. All the people who came out of Egypt who were males, all men of war, had died in the wilderness on the way. As I said, there was a whole generation that passed off the scene. After they had come out of Egypt, for all the people who had come out of Egypt had been circumcised already, but all the people born in the wilderness on the way as they came out of Egypt had not been circumcised. Verse 6, for the children of Israel walked 
40 years in the wilderness till all the people who were men of war who came out of Egypt were consumed because they did not obey the voice of the Lord to whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord had sworn their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Then Joshua circumcised their sons whom he had raised up in their place, for they were uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way. Verse 8, so it was when they had finished circumcising all the people that they stayed in their places in the camp until they were healed. And then the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have, and this is the key verse, verse 9, the Lord said to Joshua, this day I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. Therefore, the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. That name, that place name, Gilgal, is a play on words. And in the original language that they spoke back then, it means to roll away. It sounds a lot like that word that they would use to say roll away in that language. So this location would forever be known as the rollaway place. And I want to preach to you this morning about God's plan of salvation that was bought for us when Jesus died at Calvary and rose again on the third day. God has a plan of salvation. And God is going to give us revelation and he's going to call us to action today to that end. Can you set your Bibles down and let's go to the Lord in prayer. In Jesus' name, Lord, we come to you today. Lord, we've worshiped, we've sang, we've unified in prayer, we've unified in praise and worship. Lord, now we want to unify and become in one mind and one accord around your word. Lord, as we exalt your word above our opinions, above our preferences, above anything we've been taught or anything we may have picked up on our own, Lord, we come to your word as the final authority for the plan of salvation, for the final authority in how to get into covenant with you and how to be saved. Lord, I pray that there would be revelation that would sweep through the room that there would be encouragement, that there would just be a refreshing spirit of God that would move in our midst today. And Lord, that there would just be a renewal of who we are and what the identity is that you've placed on your people and what even your plan is for us. And Lord, I pray that you would do it so that your name can be exalted. And Lord, we will give you all of the praise in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I want to minister this morning about God's plan of salvation and about the rollaway place, the rollaway place. In that generation in the Old Testament, what we read about in Joshua chapter 5 tells us that circumcision was an identity marker. It was instituted by God way before this point in history with one of their ancestors named Abraham. Circumcision was a sign of the covenant in that time period. It was obvious, it was unmistakable, and there was no way to get around it. And in order for God to continue the work that he was doing, in order for their story to continue to be shaped by God, before they even ever started to actually lay hold of the inheritance that God had for them over in Canaan in the promised land, there was going to have to be, of necessity, an identity change. There was going to have to be an update that took place. There, was ha there had to be a distinction between them and the people that lived in the land where God was sending them into. God is a God of patterns and principles. We've been ministering about it on Wednesday night for several weeks. And so it should not surprise us that because God is a God that operates in patterns and principles, it shouldn't surprise us in our hearing today to understand that something similar is required of us in our own time period. For the person who is living today, 
under the sound of my voice even in this room this morning, who sees with eyes of faith that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Savior of the whole world, and you see that in faith and you want to respond accordingly, it has never been enough to simply recognize the fact that Jesus is more than just a man, that he is God manifest in the flesh, that he is the Messiah, the Savior of the whole world. It has never been merely enough to just recognize that what I just said is true. It has always been required that God's people distinguish themselves. It's never been enough just to see that Jesus is everything he claims to be and then charge zealously headlong into the promises of God, of salvation and eternal life. There is always a Gilgal. There is always a place where there's a change that happens. There's always a location. There's always a point, even today for us, brothers and sisters, where there's something that happens that fundamentally changes and updates our identity. No more are we identified with the wilderness. No more are we identified with Egypt. We are unmistakably a different people when we come to Gilgal. And just as it was in the Old Testament, so it is in the New Testament, in our day. There is always a place where God changes his people. Peter, one time in Acts chapter 10 and 11, God sent Peter to the house of a man named Cornelius. Cornelius was a Gentile. He was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. And so far... The plan of salvation, the New Testament plan of salvation that was first spoken at the day of Pentecost of repenting of your sins, being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and being filled with the gift of God's spirit and the evidence that happened that day and elsewhere in the book of Acts was that they spoke with tongues. It was unmistakable. The door to that kind of plan hadn't really been opened to the Gentiles yet. There hadn't been any Gentile people that had experienced that yet. Peter fell into a dream and God gave him a vision. And in Acts chapter 10, long story short, he sent him to the house of this man named Cornelius who was a Gentile. He was a God-fearing man. He was sincere. He was honest. He, uh, he, he, he feared God. He wanted to do right, but he just, he was, he thought he was on the outside looking in. He wasn't sure if there was even a way that he could get closer to God than he already was. But he was praying a prayer that may have felt to him like an impossible prayer. But he's saying, God, I want to be more obedient to you. God, I want to draw closer to you, perhaps than I'm even allowed to as a Gentile. And he's praying, and God reveals to Simon Peter that Cornelius is there, and he's praying this way, and he's a God-fearing man. He's doing with sincerity and honesty. And so God sends Simon Peter to Cornelius' house. And there's a tremendous scene that unfolds because the same thing that happened with the Jews in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and the same thing that happened with others up to the, in the book of Acts up to that point, what then happened in Cornelius' house. 
And they repented of their sins and they were baptized in the name of Jesus. They were speaking in other tongues. God filled them with his spirit. It was an unmistakable thing that happened. And so in the next chapter, in chapter 11, Peter's having to explain himself, Brother Uzel, because this has never happened before. Everyone was kind of scratching their head. So Simon Peter's explaining himself to the apostles and he's explaining what happened that day at Cornelius' house. And in Acts chapter 11, verse 18, it says, When they heard these things, they became silent, and they glorified God, saying, Then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. God granted repentance to them. To repent is one of the most powerful things you can do. To repent is to turn around, to go a new direction. This is what Israel did, in essence, whenever God told Joshua, you know what, you've spent enough time in the wilderness, it's time to go. It's time to go in a new direction that you've never gone before. It's time to step into, into things that you've never stepped into before. This is, in essence, what happened when God directed the children of Israel westward across the Jordan. And when they crossed over Jordan, they were heading in the direction of the promise. They were on the right trajectory. They had already sent their spies into Jericho. They'd already sent two guys over into Jericho, into the city over there on that side of the river. Rahab was waiting on them. They had a person on the inside that was going to, uh, that was going to help them conquer the city, that was going to help them get the lay of the land. And you have to believe that when they crossed over, when they received word, it's time to go. It's time to go this new direction. We're finally going into the promise. They cross over the Jordan River on dry ground miraculously. And they've already sent spies into the land. They've already got a person on the inside. You have to believe that morale was pretty high, that spirits were good, that victory must have looked guaranteed. But before God sent them into the new territory to battle and to have dominion, there had to be a rolling away of the old identity that was still clinging to them. And it is the same way for us today. Since God works in patterns and principles, we can see that the New Testament picks up a plan of salvation that bears the same shape as what God did many times in the Old Testament, even in the passage that we're looking at in Joshua today. Repentance was not only a command, but repentance was a gift. It was a work of God. It was something that God directed them to do when they crossed over. And so we look in the New Testament and we see how there is a, a correspondence between what happened even all those years ago in the book of Joshua and what we can hope to experience today. Colossians chapter 2 tells us something very, very important. It's so, something so important that we need to grasp, and I want you, to, I want you to, to see it with me. Colossians chapter 2. This is key to, to just understanding and having a revelation of God's plan of salvation because when you pick up that God didn't just invent something when the New Testament opens up, but it's really just a continuation of the same shape of a plan that he was, that he was working out even in the Old Testament, it makes the fireworks go off. It makes, it makes you start to understand things and see uh, exactly what God's plan is for us today. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 11 says, this is the Apostle Paul writing, he says, "...in him, in Jesus, you were also circumcised." with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh and by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, 
in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having wiped out, wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Doesn't that sound like Gilgal to you? Doesn't that sound like a rolling away of the reproach of Egypt? Doesn't that sound like there's been something that happens to our identity whenever we're baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of our sins? Doesn't it seem to you that just as it was essential for the people of Israel in Joshua after they crossed over the Jordan River to have a place of rolling away called Gilgal, wouldn't it make sense today to also affirm and recognize that repentance, although it is a command and it is a blessing, and a gift and there's something powerful that happens at repentance that when we cross over and our direction gets right that there is still a Gilgal moment that each of us needs to have and the Apostle Paul clarifies it for us and says that Gilgal that each and every one of us need to have is a thing called water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. There are elements that God performs in how God performs salvation that never change. No matter what time period you look into, you can turn to the pages of Genesis, you can turn to Joshua, you can turn to the prophets, you can turn to the Gospels, the book of Acts, and even modern day. And there are things that happen that God always does when he is performing salvation. Paul says... This isn't, just a, this isn't just a connection that the preacher come up with because, I, I, you know, maybe I ate bad pizza or something. That I just saw, oh, maybe this corresponds to that. The Apostle Paul, in the Word of God, in the passage we just read together in Colossians and in other places, says that what God did in circumcision in the Old Testament is likened unto what he does to us in water baptism in the New Testament. There was no getting around it in the Old Testament, and there is no getting around it in the New Testament. It is essential to the plan of God. Now, I know, I know, I know that there's different messages about baptism. I know that there's different ways of thinking. And I know that when you hear a preacher make an unequivocal statement like I've made several times already this morning, it's easy to look at the one that's speaking and say, well, he's just being dogmatic. He's just being narrow. He's just being uninclusive. But it's not me. I'm in the Word right now. I've done my best to describe to you from the pages of God's Word. This isn't my opinion. We've elevated God's Word this morning when we prayed and we said God's Word is is elevated and I, it doesn't he's elevated above my opinion it's elevated above my preference and it's elevated again ahead of whatever personal doctrine that I may have tried to extrapolate out of it some will say that water baptism is not essential to salvation but the new testament and the overall pattern of scripture indicates that it is John chapter 3, Jesus is talking to a man named Nicodemus, and he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, Nicodemus, that unless one is born of the water and of the Spirit, 
he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The apostle Peter repeated the same message in Acts chapter 2. He says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Over and over again in the book of Acts after that point, there are water baptisms by full immersion in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. And I would submit to every person under the sound of my voice today that it is the will of God for you to have a Gilgal. It is the will of God for you to have a rollaway place. I want to affirm any person that has repented of their sins. If you've repented and God has done a work in your life and you've repented and turned away from sin and you're walking a new direction and perhaps you're even crossing over the Jordan, I want to affirm that because it's absolutely essential to what God wants to do in your life. But I want to go a step further today, and I want to say that beyond the Jordan River, there is a place called Gilgal, and you cannot go any further until there is an identity work that's happened in your life. The key to victory is being in covenant with God. If you want Jericho, Jericho's on the other side. Jericho is on down the road a little bit. Jericho is that place where the walls fall down. Jericho is that place where they shout and they make the voice of the, they have the trumpets blowing and they shout with their mouth and, and they make a joyful noise and the walls come flat down. And there's powerful things that happen. But if you want to conquer, if you want to live an overcoming life, you can't skip Gilgal. You can't skip it. I remember. I've been here just long enough to be able to look around the room. And I can look around the room this morning and I can remember. Brother Elledge, I can remember when we baptized some of these that are here. Brother Elledge, you've baptized many people. You've met with people at their Gilgal. Pastor Williams has met with people. There's been others who have been baptized, and you've been, I, can, I can remember in my mind. I can go back, and I can look at pictures, and I can see pictures of, of you and you and you and you in that tank, in that water back there with your arms raised, speaking in other tongues, and the Lord doing something mighty in your life. There's something powerful whenever we get to that place. Some of you have been baptized in the name of Jesus. You've been to Gilgal. But today, as we sit here on a Sunday morning, you're struggling with battles. You're struggling with adversaries. You're out there in the promised land because you went through the Jordan. You got repented. You started going the direction you needed to go. You made a stop at Gilgal. You were baptized in the name of Jesus, fully immersed in the water. And then you launched out into an overcoming life, empowered by the Spirit. On to Jericho, on to Ai, on to the different places that God wanted to give you. And God's been enlarging your territory, and you've been living a blessed life. It hasn't been a better road, but there's been battles and there's been struggles. And some of you are out there in the territory, and you're battling, and you're struggling, and you're, and you're, and you're doing everything you can to live for God and to walk by faith and to walk in the power of God's Spirit that He gave you when He saved you. 
The Israelites did this. The Israelites were commanded when they had this crossing over the Jordan and Gilgal moment in this little time frame, they were commanded to do something that was very special. They were commanded to heap up stones at the Jordan River. And what the purpose was, they were commanded to bring themselves and to bring their descendants back to that place. And Joshua said, when your children and your grandchildren ask, what do these stones mean? You're going to tell them the story of how we walked over on dry ground across that Jordan River. That it wasn't any power of our own. It wasn't because we was a mighty people. It wasn't because we were sophisticated. It wasn't because we had it all together. But the hand of God was upon us. And we came across that Jordan River and we went to a place called Gilgal and we got into alignment with what our ancestors had done before us and we got into covenant with God and we got into alignment and, we, and, and there was a, a channel of power that opened up to us because now all of a sudden we were in covenant with God and we were released out into the promise and the power of God's spirit and the walls started to fall down and things started to happen. But occasionally... With some kind of regularity, you are to bring yourself and your descendants back to this place. And when they ask you, what's this giant pile of rocks? What's this tower of stones mean? You're going to remind them that everything we've inherited and everything they've seen you accomplish is not by your own power, but it is by the power and the blessing and the covenant of God Almighty on your life. And they commanded them to go back to that place and remember how they were saved. The musicians would come. You need a touch of God today to bring you to a place of remembrance. We used to sing a song, I remember when my burdens were rolled away. There's a rolling away that some of you, I can think back and I can, I can get mental snapshots of when you were baptized and you had that Gilgamo and God was doing that work during that season of your life. And there's times whenever we need to go back. Now, I, I, I was thinking early this morning, I, I, just because a lot of times I'm up here, I'm up around that tank a whole lot. We baptized Javian last Sunday morning. Who remembers that? Wasn't that beautiful? <laughs> Young man. There's times whenever I get to be around that tank and in that water, and I forget sometimes that not everybody takes it upon themselves to walk up there and, and hang around the tank and be around that water. It might be that some of us today need to run our hand through some of this water and remember Remember what happened when we were born again. It might be that you're out and you're marching around some walls of Jericho right now. It might be that you're facing a setback like Israel did at Ai, and you're not sure why in the world it happened. I don't know why this is happening to me. And you're out there living life, and, and there's battles, and there's adversaries, and there's struggles, and, and there's things going on, and there's uncertainty, and it's just a wild territory that has to have dominion exercised over it. For some, and you know who you are, it might be a good Sunday to make sure that you're acquainted and that you go find that tower of rocks 
and say, I'm not here on accident. I didn't stumble into this. The mighty hand of God brought me to this place. I'm a child of God. I'm in covenant with God. I've been obedient to the word of God. God's favor is upon me. I can live in the reality that the Apostle Paul described when he said we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Some of you need a reminder of that today. You've got an identity that's been stamped on you in water baptism and the infilling of God's spirit, but you need a reminder today. You need a refresher on where God brought you from and how powerful you are and what you're capable of over there on the other side of Jordan because there's still yet territory to be taken and conquered. There's still yet things to possess on the other side of the Jordan. And sometimes we've got to come back to the place where we just dip our hand down in that Jordan River and say, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Stand with me if you would. I've been talking this morning about God's plan of salvation. God's plan of salvation is not for a private group of people. I already went to Acts chapter 10 and 11 and showed you. It's not just for one ethnic group of people. It's not a private party, but the doors have been swung wide open. And if you need to cross over today, and if you need to have a Gilgal today, the water's warm, the water's ready, and God blesses faith. Between the crossover place of Jordan and between the conquering place of Jericho, there is a Gilgal. There is a covenant that has to be enacted. And if you're here today and you're standing at the banks of the Jordan River of your life, whether you're on the, whether you're on the east side of the Jordan River, thinking about crossing over and saying, I need new direction in my life. You need to respond to God today. Some of you are standing on the other side of the Jordan River, on the west side of the bank. You've already crossed over. You've already taken some steps in a new direction. God's been working in your life. And the next step for you is a Gilgal moment. You need to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the complete rolling away and remission of your sins. And then you will walk in an authority and a power and favor that you don't even know is even really possible yet. Because Jericho's on the horizon. There's other things that are out there. And you're wondering, you're scratching your head on that side of Jordan saying, how's it going to happen? But when you get into alignment with God and you are obedient in your faith, and you have a Gilgal, there's some questions you don't have to worry about anymore, Sister Lisa. There's some things you don't even have to worry about anymore. God's going to take care of it. I don't know how I'm getting through those Jericho walls, but I got into alignment with God. He's going to knock the walls down. And we lift up our hands all over this place right now. Some people, you need an experience with God today. These altars are open right now. If you need to move toward him, these altars are open, and this place is a place of prayer. You need to run your hand through this water. It's not the same thing as baptism. We baptize you back there in that tank by full immersion. But if you need to be reminded of where you came from and what God's been doing and who you are in the Holy Ghost, dip your hands into that water and say, I've been across the Jordan. I've made a visit at Gilgal and I'm ready for Jericho 
Come on, I invite you. Let's respond in the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, there's some that are starting to pray in the Spirit. The Spirit of God is here. And there's a plan of salvation. God has always had a plan. He's always had a plan. And He's got a plan for you today. He's got a plan for you today. Come on, there's a renewing work of the Holy Ghost that God wants to do in somebody's life because you've been battling against things that you don't need to be battling and you've been struggling against things that you don't have to struggle with any longer. You need to go back to that pile of stones. You need to answer that question. What do these stones mean? Come on, there needs to be a rolling away. There's a, I see, I see the one. I see the one moving today who can roll it away. He can roll it away. He Come on, come on. If you've got a burden that's in your life, it can be rolled away today. Shame can be rolled away. Guilt can be rolled away. Come on. Why doesn't a seasoned saint of God, why don't you step out of where you are right now? Come on, why don't we create an atmosphere of response in the Holy Ghost right now? I'm calling on you. If you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, if you've got a Gilgal moment in your past, you need to come up and you need to feel a little bit of this water. Because there's those that are standing on the, on the threshold right now, on the banks of the Jordan, and they're looking at the Jericho in their life, and they're looking at the walls of their enemies. Come on, come on. Testify with me, testify with me of the goodness of God, of the mighty hand of God. Come on, you can have your story shaped by God today.